What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Planeswalkers Anonymous, a magic podcast hooked on that sweet, sweet cardboard. And if you or anyone in your life shares our obsession with walking ballistas and giant growths, we are here for you. <laughs> we won't rehabilitate you, but we will have a lot of fun. I'm Duncan, kicking it old school with Donovan. Hey, Donovan, how's your week been? That's been pretty good. Have you done any events this week? No, sadly, my business partner went to Atlanta for the Grand Prix, and so I had to pick up the slack at the shop this weekend. Sure. How do you do? Five and three in the main event. Not bad. It's pretty good, but he didn't get to make day two. Yeah. Had to stop there. Cool. That was a legacy event, right? Yes, it was. Well, I think while we're on the topic, you want to get straight into the tournament results from this last week? Yeah, there weren't a whole lot of events going on, which was unfortunate for me because I like to watch them during the day on the weekends. There weren't a lot going on, and they didn't have Twitch coverage for the GP anyway, so I didn't have much to watch. But what? we No coverage on the GP? No, no. Channel Fireball doesn't cover a lot of their events. That's disappointing. Yeah, but we had GP Atlanta going on, and it was won by Cyrus Corman Gill on Storm. Cool. And that was a legacy event? Yes, it was legacy. So, And he was playing Ad Nauseam, the Ant variant of Storm. All right. What was Will playing? He was playing Aggro Loam or Four Color Loam, some people like to call it. Cool. I think the only other thing that was going on this last week is the Pearl Division of MPL played. They've wrapped up already, and it was won by Carlos Ramau playing Orzov Vampires. Yeah, I watched that one, and it was another one of those scenarios where the person who was undefeated or had the best record in the round robin portion of play, when they went into the finals, they only had to win one and the other person had to win two. The better record was the one playing the deck that was undefeated favored in the matchup and even though they lost the first match they were able to win the next one yeah what was he playing against he was playing against mono red and the mono red deck does a good job of keeping the vampires from building up a board state for their vampire synergies to get online and is aggressive enough that it can kill them real quick but romal only had to win one he only had to win one match well Congratulations to him. And I think that's all the events that were happening this weekend while you were stuck there at Boardwalk in Dallas. <laughs> so what else has been going on this week? They decided that MTG Arena is going to finish up the beta with the next set release. And so they changed their state of the beta video to be MTG Arena state of the game. That makes sense. Although I am going to miss that state of the beta. <laughs> it seemed like there were some pretty cool updates coming for the future of Arena mentioned in this state of the game article. Yeah. Friends list and messaging is something that has been conspicuously absent. People really wanted to be able to challenge their buddies, and you can sure. through the challenge feature, but it's really clunky and awkward, and a lot of people, including myself, generally just don't do it. So you have to not only be playing at the same time as your buddy, but you have to magically know that and want to challenge each other. Right. And it's my understanding that they're thinking about setting up a feature so that not only can you play against your friends, but you can actually loan them your arena decks if you're playing against them. Yeah, that's something that they said that they were exploring, and so I don't know where that might end end up whether it's just loaning your decks or if y'all can both play each other's decks at the same time or what exactly that's going to be you know yeah and since they're still figuring out how that's going to work we don't know when that might happen or even if it will happen for sure they may decide not to do that after all if they can't work out exactly how they want to do it but it seems like a cool idea yeah definitely it's really good for new players who don't really have a collection yet and their buddy's trying to get them to play with them right you can just give them a deck to play with you yeah that seems good and i also know they put constructive brawl on the stuff coming up soon tell me what is this brawl feature i'm familiar 
familiar with Brawl and Hearthstone and stuff, and I assumed it was sort of like that, but then I got the impression from some of what I was reading that Brawl is more like Commander. Yeah, no, Brawl is a format that they introduced to paper about a year ago. They pushed it with Dominaria because it had all the legendaries in it. It was supposed to be kind of like a standard version of Commander, Mm -hmm. but you could also use Planeswalkers instead of legendary creatures, and your decks were 60 cards, you had 20 life. Okay. So it's like a mini Commander 1v1 format. I believe the Arena version would be 1v1, and a lot of people played it 1v1, but plenty of people played it in pods of four and stuff like you do Commander. Okay. And is it also a Highlander format? Yes. Or a Singleton format? Singleton. Sure. Okay, that's cool. The one that I'm really excited about, though, is they said they are looking at doing cube drafting. That's another one that's in the way out phase where, you know, still not sure exactly how it's going to happen or even if it's going to happen for sure, but they did mention that that's one of the things they're looking at doing, and since I really like drafting i'll look forward to that that seems cool yeah that's a feature that i'm not interested in but yay (laughs) well was there anything else in the state of the game that you wanted to talk about i believe that they also mentioned in there their couple of events that they're going to have with the new set release yeah yeah that's what we're going to talk about next so they're going to have two events where within that event you can play any number of any card that's in standard so you can build your ideal deck right and they're going to have one that's 12 games long you play 12 games You can change your deck all you want, but you only get 12 games. And then they're going to have a second one where it's one of their events where you play until you either get 12 wins or you get two losses. And if you can get that 12 win marker for that second event, you'll actually get one copy of every card in standard. Yeah, that's right. And that's pretty extensive prize, I think. Yeah, and they said it will include the Throne of Eldraine cards that had just come out at the time. So that's really exciting. Yeah, that is really exciting. So my understanding is they're basically going to make all of the cards in standard available for you to use up to four of in your deck and then let you do 12 games to basically practice, get, figure out which deck you want to play and such ahead of time. And that's going to be on September 26th so you can find out which deck you're going to play for the actual event. And then the event is happening October 6th. Cool. So the Monday after the actual site release in paper. Right, and so then you'll be able to battle it out. And if you can get 12 wins before you get two losses, you'll win one copy of every card in standard, including Throne of Eldraine. Yes. That's pretty exciting. That's something I will probably go for. I expect that I will lose very, very quickly. And I don't play a lot on Arena, but with the essentially zero investment, and the big prize, if I actually won those cards, that would really incentivize me to play Arena. Yeah, a small note, which shouldn't matter, because it's probably not relevant to competitive Magic play anyways, but I'm curious, because the stuff that I saw on it does say play sets of every card in Standard, and so, like, that would imply four, but, like, can I play seven Seven Dwarves, or can I play 36 Persistent Petitioners if I want to? Sure. I think, like you said, that may not be, uh... Probably doesn't matter, but... Yeah, it, it may not matter, but it, that is I'm certainly, just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could answer that question for you, but <laughs> I don't know the no, answer either. Something I wanted to look out for whenever it actually came around to the deck construction time. Right. Another thing that I would keep in mind if you're interested in doing this, and I think all of our listeners should be, because this should be happening the same day this podcast comes out, so you guys get on that. <laughs> but what I was going to say is the other thing that we should keep in mind is you don't have to win those 12 rounds to get a prize from this event. If you even get just one win, you'll get a Throne of Eldraine rare card and the Golden Egg card sleeves. 
For two to three wins, you get two rare cards and the sleeves. Four to five, you get three and the sleeves. So this will continue in this pattern. Six to seven gets four rare cards. Eight wins, you get five rare cards. For nine wins, you get one sealed event token, five Throne of Eldraine rares, and the Golden Egg card sleeves. Eleven wins get you one copy of every card in Throne of Eldraine, the sealed event token, and the sleeves. And then the grand prize for the twelve wins, one copy of every card in Standard, the sealed event token, and also the biggest prize, the golden egg card sleeve. Well, at least I'll get myself one rare card and some sleeves. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll get that too. <laughs> That's not saying very much. No, I honestly, I think even just the one copy of every card in Throne of Eldraine is a big Oh yeah, getting big prize. getting 11 wins before you get two losses is hard enough, so I'm sure. glad there's a great prize for that too. Yeah. What is a sealed event token? It's just a thing that goes on your account that you can just, you play a sealed event for free. Oh, okay. It's not a sealed event token. It's a sealed event token yes okay <laughs> that makes sense that essentially comes out to six packs right plus whatever prizes you get for playing in that event so yeah at least seven so that's packs. cool but are you guaranteed at least one pack for playing sealed event i believe if you play sealed you will get at least one pack awesome even if you completely lose everything that's pretty good too yep all right well i'm looking forward to all of that i hope don't expect to but i hope that i'll get to win myself a copy of every card in Throne of Eldraine, if not every card in Standard. And I'm definitely looking forward to that because I'm really excited about Throne of Eldraine. Yeah, me as well. But really, for the most part, for me, it just comes down to I haven't had anybody to play Standard with for two weeks because people don't want to play Standard whenever their cards are about to rotate. And so I'm just yeah. happy to play Standard again. Sure. And <laughs> honestly, I feel like I've said I'm excited about Throne of Eldraine every episode. But this is one that's really really works for me like there have been several sets recently that weren't bad there was nothing bad about them but there was nothing about them that made me go like oh i want to play with those cards you know yeah because you're a lame-o yeah i know don't but like i think dinosaurs and pirates well, I, I like both of those things wasn't excited by the dinosaur pirates that oh gosh no i wasn't because honestly i think if they'd have done dinosaurs or pirates i might have been interested but dinosaurs and pirates together it just seems a little bit over the top to me but now that i have turned all of our listeners against me as they uh, should be <laughs> I think that one of the reasons why Throne of Eldraine is working so well for me is it looks like they're just straight up following the formula from Innistrad, don't you think? Oh, yeah. So it's a top-down set. It's got the humans versus the other creatures. And I think you knew more about the narrative than I did, but you said there were some similarities there as well. Yeah, that one's kind of a thing where like they're similar if you keep it really vague, but... In Innistrad, there was a big thing going on about Avacyn's disappeared and the humans are without their leader and stuff like that. Whereas in Throne of Eldraine, I believe the king has been transformed into an elk from what I gather. I, I haven't followed a lot of the story. I was just looking at the cards and stuff like that. And there's yeah. one of them is called Kindred Transformation. It turns a creature into a 3-3 elk with no abilities. Mm -hmm. And stuff like looking at the queen card, it says that even with him missing she'll stand strong or whatever and there's another card where he's supposed to be back and that's real exciting for everyone i think kenrith the king of the human place is gone missing i believe a fairy or oko or somebody turned him into an elk okay well like you said that is only very similar if you keep it really vague yeah but with the avacyn going missing from yeah but at the Earth. same time in the context of this set 
coming out around Halloween, like Innistrad, being humans versus other things, like Innistrad, uh, being fantasy stuff that we're very familiar with, like Innistrad, being a top-down set. Sure, the similarities only go so far, but in the context of all of these other things that are similar, it really seems like a very formulaic thing, which isn't necessarily bad. If the formula works, then use it. If you have a great recipe for a cake, don't stop eating that cake because you've made it before, you know? No, I don't make the same cake twice. I, all my cakes are different. <laughs> and it's not exactly the same. You know, I, I really like the kind of Grimm's fairy tale theme that this one has. I really enjoyed the horror stuff that Innistrad did. And I like the Grim Fairy Tale stuff. They're different enough that I don't feel like... Like I said, it, it seems formulaic to me, but I, it doesn't feel formulaic, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you analyze it, it seems similar. But if you don't, you're not worried about it. Yeah. It doesn't feel repetitious. Right. But I think that we've finally seen all of the cards that are coming out for Throne of Eldraine. So we're going to be diving into all of that later on in the episode. But first, were there any cards in this last rollout that you found particularly interesting? No, they did the good cards early. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know there was a lot of just like commons and uncommons and stuff that wasn't that interesting for this last few, you know. But there were still a couple that I thought were cool. Oh yeah, what were you interested in? Well, there's Lucky Clover was a an artifact card for two, and it says, when you cast an adventure, instant or sorcery spell, copy it, you may choose new targets for the copy. Yeah. And I thought that that seemed pretty cool, because it's cheap enough that I think that you could actually build an adventure deck and use this and get a lot of extra copies of things. Yeah, that's something that I think mentioned in a previous podcast that we did about how I wish they would stay on Eldraine for a longer period of time, mm -hmm. because it would mean that you could build these adventure decks, because you would have a couple of sets to draw on, for yeah. adventure cards, whereas with them only being here once, there'll be some cool cards like that one, but I don't think that you're going to really be able to build a constructed with them that's a, of any competitive nature. Just because okay. There just won't be enough support for it. Okay. You'll be limiting yourself by having to play adventure cards to go with your Lucky Clover. And right. the Lucky Clover will be great when you have it, and when you have it with adventures, you may be the top dog, but anytime you don't, your deck's just going to be weaker. I think part of why I thought that that seemed like it might actually work out well is because there's also there's a lot of adventure cards that adventure pretty cheap, and have a decent effect so even if you only get a oh few yeah of like them, murderous rider and order of midnight are cards that i'm a huge fan of yeah what do those ones do murderous riders got the adventure of black black and one destroy target creature or planeswalker you lose two life and then yeah. he's a three mana two three with lifelink that when he dies goes on the bottom of your library sure. and then um order of midnight's got a Venture a sorcery black and one return target creature from your graveyard to your hand, and that's a black and one for a flying two two creature that can't block. Yeah, I just think that the order of midnight is just one of those ones where it's just like, look, I just played a two two flyer for two, like it can't block, but like that's fine, you know. Mm -hmm. And then if you draw it like on turn seven, you're like, oh, I'm gonna put a creature in my hand and make this two two flyer. Right. And then I know there's like Ardenvale Tactician is a 2-3 flying creature, and it has uh, Adventure for a white and one that says tap up to two target creatures. Uh, I don't know that that one actually doubles all that well, but it's, it's something I came to hand quickly as a, a cheap adventure card that you could play with a decent creature attached to it. Yeah. And then there's like Bone Crusher Giant is a 4-3 for a red and two, and his adventure is a red and one. Deal two damage to any target, and damage can't be prevented this turn. And he's an instant, right? His adventure? Uh, yes. His adventure is an instant. Yeah, that one's pretty good. I guess I don't necessarily think that this Lucky Clover is 
super good or that you're going to have a really adventure heavy deck with it. I just think that it is cheap enough and there's enough cheap adventures might be decent in your deck anyway. Yeah. That it may actually turn out pretty. Oh, oh this Rimrock Knight. He's a 3-1 for one in red, uh, but he has for a single red target creature gets plus two plus oh until end of turn. So I, that's another one I think like, you know, you get a plus four plus oh for a single red and a not very good creature that you can play later if you want to, but mm-hmm. I mean, even if you don't play the creature. I, I wouldn't play uh, Lucky Clover in order to double this Boulder Rush adventure, but... If you're playing Boulder Rush and the Giant and stuff like that anyways, just putting the Lucky Clover in your deck might be worth it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think I thought that it was cool. Another one that I liked was a Stormfist Crusader. It's just a 2-2 creature, human knight for red and black, has menace, and at the beginning of your upkeep, each player draws a card and loses one life. Now, it's unfortunate that that's... Symmetrical? Yeah, it's unfortunate that that's symmetrical, so you and your opponent both draw a card and lose a life, but it is symmetrical. It's not like your opponent's getting more value out of that than you are, because it's happening on your upkeep, so you should have the first chance to play things. And it's just an aggressive card. You know, it's a 2-2 with Menace for just two mana, and this ability is also bringing their life total down and giving you gas, and gas is what you need in aggressive decks, you know? It's giving yeah. them cards, too. I think it might be one of those cards that's really good in very aggressive decks where your opponent doesn't have time to play all their cards anyway, so if yeah. you give them extra ones, it doesn't matter. Yep, that's what I was thinking. Kind of in the same vein of Goblin Guide. Yeah, he, I think that, I think it looks good. I think being black and red, it only fits into a very specific deck, which is a black-red super aggressive deck, but it seems like a really aggressive card for just two mana. I, I yep. think it seems good. Um, and, I think there was one card spoiled since we last talked about stuff that I was pretty excited about. I don't I don't know if I'm ever going to play it, but I think it's really cool, which is Faberow Elder. It's a green and one for a tree folk druid that's got vigilance, and he's a zero zero, but he gets plus one, plus one for each color among permanents you control. And he taps for a color of mana for each color among permanents you control. Nice. So you can tap for up to five mana? Yeah, you can tap for up to five mana. He's a, kind of a callback to like Bloom Tinder had that same mana ability, but this one can actually be a bit of a beater too. And, yeah. And I think that that could be really cool, especially because every now and then people want to play these uh, Niv-Mizzet Reborn decks where you play all these multicolored cards already. So like that could be really mm-hmm. cool in that deck. Yeah, I know that you like tree folk. I like big creatures, and tree folk are sometimes big. Well, I know that I guess was it back in Lorwyn Shadowmore, you had a tree folk deck that was actually really good. I think you're confusing when I played a tree folk tribal deck in Lorwyn Shadowmore, and when I later played a good deck that was had a tree folk in it. <laughs> uh, I I guess that's always a possibility. No, my Lorwyn Shadowmore tree folk tribal deck was fine, but I wouldn't I would not call it good. Okay, well that's actually how I feel about the next card that I wanted to talk about. Deathless Knight. I don't think it's a great card. It's a 4-2 Skeleton Knight for 4 green-black hybrid mana. Mm -hmm. It has haste. And it says, when you gain life for the first time each turn, return Deathless Knight from your graveyard to your hand. Now, if that was it, I don't think I would be interested. Except, you remember me talking about Savvy Hunter a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. And then I think last episode, I think it was a giant opportunity. I felt like cheap, strong cards. You had the giant opportunity, the Savvy Hunter, and then I saw this Deathless Knight. I thought, hey, all of those foods that we're playing with with the with the giant opportunity and savvy hunter could gain us life yeah so this deathless knight could return repeatedly and a 4-2 with haste that can get back to the battlefield repeatedly might be good it costs four mana every time you want to play it again so i'm not sure that that makes it into the deck but it seemed like it was a yeah it caught my eye is there maybe some black card 
that lets you discard cards to make food? That'd be sweet. I don't know. I hadn't noticed one, but there very well may be. It doesn't really look like there's a uh, card that lets you just, like, discard cards, get that many food or anything. That would have been sweet with the Deathless Knight, but maybe they did that on purpose. Yeah. Sometimes Wizards just doesn't want me to have any fun. There is, however, Witch's Oven lets you sacrifice a creature to make a food token. If that creature's power is four or greater, you get two food tokens. That seems pretty good with your 4-2 guy that when you gain life, gets back to your hand. Yeah. Seems like that might be, might be too slow for... Constructed? Or, well, for what this deck is trying to do, really. But these are so both uncommons, so... aggressive cards, but yeah. If you want to pick them up true. and limited, you can do the old wombo mick combo. Yep, yep, that seems like a good idea. But hey, that's, that's why I wanted to bring up Deathless Knight, as he seemed like he had some fun synergies with my food deck. And then the last card that I wanted to talk about before we move on was Hushbringer. Have you seen that one? Although my eyes might be a bit scarred. Yes, yes, I did. Scarred? You don't like it? I'm joking about the artwork. It's just so out there art-wise. Oh, I like it. You would. You would. <laughs> um, It is a lot more abstract than... Well, yeah. not, not so much abstract as... Uh... It's got a big a whole, like... um, It has a background. As in, not there is a there is stuff in the background of the image, but like it's an image in front of a background. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be this whole like you're dazed and confused by what's going on, and you're seeing double and all that stuff. You know? Yeah. It's very surreal. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. You know what I think? I think this artwork looks more like they were going for a image that they can make one of their like screensaver or background images, desktop images that they put out because <laughs> nope. it looks like it will be a good a good image to use for things. It does look kind of out of place on a magic card though. I'll give you that. But anyways, more <laughs> importantly, what's the card do? Well, this is a 1/2 fairy creature. For white and one. The white fairy. Yes, it is a white fairy. Is that a Throne of Eldrin thing? It's an uncommon thing. Fairies were blue-black last time they were a big deal, and traditionally mm -hmm. they were blue-green. Right, okay. Interesting to see a white one. Yeah, this one is a white fairy, though, for white and one, one, two, flying lifelink. And, and if that were it, I would not find it very interesting. So that's typically not going to be good enough. But it says, creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. So uh, this just turns off most of your triggered abilities. Yeah, yeah, it will make decks I play very bad. <laughs> I like to play with some enter the battlefield effect cards, and barring that, maybe some die triggers, and makes both of those not work. Luckily, a 1-2 is not too difficult to knock out of the sky. No, yeah, I, I can kill it. We'll just make it dead. Yep. All right, I guess we better hear a few words from our sponsors, and then we'll talk about the mechanics of Throne of Eldraine, and I'll get you to explain all of the intricate corner case rules situations for me. Sure, I will try my best. All right. Ah, what am I going to do with all these swords? Did you say swords? Uh, yeah? Is your home or office cluttered with spare swords of feast and famine, swords of body and mind, and swords of war and peace? Yes! I've been needing to clear those out of the nursery. Well, you're in luck, friend. Swords to Plowshares is opening a brand new location near you. Bring your sword and other valuable weapons to Swords to Plowshares and exchange them for basic agricultural equipment. Exchange your clutter for different clutter at Swords to Plowshares. Hey, uh, wh what are you doing in my house? Well, I don't know about you, Donovan, but I know I have a few swords that I'm not using right now, but, uh... You think that's, uh, where Stoneforge Mystic gets all her swords? She might work for that company. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've gotten so many swords from Stoneforge Mystic without ever questioning where they came from. Wow. But I guess that's only relevant for those dirty modern players. Right now, we're talking about standard, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you you can you can do that in other formats that aren't modern too, though. <laughs> <laughs> trying to segue back the throne of Eldrain. Oh, Donovan. right, right, yeah. Standard, standard, standard thing. I don't actually have a problem with modern. I'm, I'm the person who only plays modern over here. Well, unlimited. Anyway. Dude, Modern Horizons must have been your jam if you just play modern and limited. Uh, it would have been, except that it's expensive and I don't get an opportunity to play very much limited because I don't have a group of friends that like limited large enough to actually do drafting. Yeah, I didn't get to play much Modern Horizons limited either in that I didn't play any at all. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but we're still on about Throne of Eldraine this episode. We may actually move on from that topic for our next episode, but right what? now... Never. <laughs> right now, we're, uh, we're going to go over the mechanics and themes that we're going to see in Throne of Eldraine packs. But I think that that we've been talking about these cards for like three weeks now, and we're finally going to tell people how some of this stuff works. So is there anything that you wanted to start off with? Well, there's this one mechanic that I think is quite adventurous that they've come out with. Tell me more. Tell me more. It's called Adventure. Oh, I had no idea what you were talking about. (laughs) So in this set, there's some creatures with this adventure mechanic on it. An example of an adventure card would be Fairy Guide Mother, which is a 1-1 fairy for a white. It has flying, and the adventure it can go on is Gift of the Fae. It's white and 1, sorcery. It says target creature gets plus 2, plus 1, and gains flying until end of turn. Yeah, so there's several white fairies in this set. Yeah, yeah. The creature with an adventure. They are a creature anywhere other than on the stack if you chose to cast the adventure spell. But there's in their text box a little section that says another card name and it's got a mana cost, a card type, whether it's instant or sorcery, and then subtype adventure. And they get to cast some sort of spell. And if you do that from your hand or anywhere else where you're allowed to just cast these spells normally, you can do that or you can cast the creature. But once you've cast the instant or sorcery, it goes to exile and you can cast the creature from exile if it went on the adventure. Okay. Sum it up. So these are creature cards. They are creature cards. And if you have something that you can choose an instant in your opponent's hand to make them discard it, you can't hit any of these. You can't cast their adventures off of um, Dreadhorde Arcanist, nothing like that. Right. So they just are creatures, kind of full stop, but, <laughs> full stop, but... <laughs> But if you want to, you can send your creature on an adventure. And in that case, you can cast the adventure card from their text box instead of the creature. And if you've done that, the card goes to exile where you are still allowed to play the creature at any point that it's still in exile. Yes. Awesome. Is there any interactions or things that we hadn't that you want to talk about that this is going to affect? There are some cards in the set that say if you cast a creature with an adventure, Mm -hmm. those ones don't require you to have cast the adventure first. You can just be casting the creature from your hand, but they'll have some kind of trigger that happens when you cast any of these creatures. But whether you cast the creature from your hand or exile or wherever, if it has the adventure card on it, it will get that trigger okay and then the other thing is if they're in exile for any other reason you're not allowed to cast them it has to be from the adventure i know this isn't likely to show up at anyone's pre-release or anything but what if somebody plays a dress on me and i have a creature with adventure can they choose the adventure no they cannot because it is a creature 
So, all right. Is there anything that is actually likely to show up at people's pre-release that interacts with adventure in some strange way you can think of? No, not that I can think of. No. What What if a creature with adventure gets exiled from the battlefield? Can you cast it from exile? No, you cannot. Okay, so you gotta keep your creatures that went on an adventure separate from creatures that were simply exiled. Well, I don't know about got to. You ought to. Is that it right? behooves you to. Okay, cool. You don't want there to be any confusion about which ones you can and can't cast now. So next mechanic we might want to mention is adamant. Yeah, adamant. Adamant is an ability word, not a keyword. So it doesn't actually have any effect on the game. The fact that it's on the card in of itself, it will have an explanation okay. attached to it every single time it's on a card because each adamant card will do something slightly different. It's just a way to smooth out when you're talking about the card. You can just say it has an adamant ability where I get this effect. Right. So the difference between a keyword and an ability word is ability words don't always mean the same thing, but they help you to generalize a group of abilities that function similarly. Whereas a keyword has specific rules text that goes with it no matter what card it's on. Correct. Okay, so what does adamant actually do? Adamant means that you spent three or more of the specific color to cast that card, and it will be specific to the card which color you need to spend, and Mm -hmm. it'll have an additional effect if you do that. Otherwise, you can spend whatever colors you want and not get the extra effect. Okay, and I think at least in Throne of Eldraine, all of the adamant cards require you to have spent three mana of the color that card is, right? All except for the colorless ones. Those ones just require you to spend three mana of any one color. All right, well, suppose you're casting a card that has an adamant ability and it costs four mana. Can you spend three mana of that one color and one mana of another color and get the adamant effect? Yes, as long as the three is of the color of the card. Okay. So it kind of encourages people to limit their deck to just like two colors. It's a lot easier to do adamant effects in one, but it's perfectly legit to do an adamant card in a two color deck. Whereas if you start doing three color decks, you can play the adamant cards as long as you don't mind there being a lot of scenarios where you can't get that extra effect or if maybe one of your colors is a splash color. All right. Do you know any good examples of an adamant card or an adamant effect all right so mm-hmm. Imbereth paladin is a red and three to cast he's a creature and he's a four one but he's got adamant if at least three red mana was spent to cast this spell Imbereth paladin enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it so he's a red and three to cast four one haste mm-hmm. but if you spend at least three you'll get a five two with haste okay so if you spend black black red red to cast this guy you just get the four one with haste but if you spend all red, or just like three red and one of your black. He'll come with one plus one plus one counter and he'll be a five two. Cool. And that's all I have to say about adamant. Do you want to tell me about the not quite adamant lands? Yeah, the common lands in the site will come in untapped if you have three or more of the land type it is. And so that's kind of similar mechanic. It's not the same, but it's similar playing into the having multiples of that color in your deck. And each of them in this cycle have an ability if it comes into play untapped, meaning if you had the three lands of that type, then it gets an effect, right? Yes. Any of those seem particularly good to you? The white one is clearly superior to the other four because it's the only one with flavor text. Awesome. I think the gingerbread cabin probably, well, I don't know, because my deck's going to be green black. But anyway, it, as an example, gingerbread cabin, whether I use it in my food deck or not, is a forest. It has tap to add green because it is a forest. And it says it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other forests. But... If it enters the battlefield untapped, you make a food token. Yeah, that's a bit of free value you can get for eating up your own cabin. Yeah, gives new meaning to eat me out of house and home, right? (laughs) 
Yes, indeed. I think that segues us pretty well into food, don't you think? Yeah. So we have spent quite a bit of time over the last couple of episodes talking about food. So I know our listeners are probably pretty familiar with what food does, but why don't you give me the basics real quick? Uh, So whenever your body is feeling malnourished, you eat food and it provides nutrients and energy for you to continue your existence. Oh, so, so like the artifact type food in magic is referencing like a real English word that has a meaning outside of magic? (laughs) Yeah, they didn't make that word up. Oh man. All right. So, so this food thing, it sounds interesting to me. Do you think that that I should uh should I should I try it? You know, you may even have already done so at some point in your life. All right. Thank you, Donovan, for that silly tangent. Now, what does food do? <laughs> food is an artifact token that's got the subtype food, and it says you can pay two, tap, and sacrifice it to gain three life. Okay, but it's not necessarily a token, right? The food artifact type can appear on other artifacts. That is what a food token is, but there are other artifacts with the subtype food. I believe all of them do have the same ability, though, the two, tap, sacrifice, gain three life. Yep. I believe that's true. And there is one example of a artifact creature that also shares the food type, but we talked about him last week. Yes, we did. But Wizards did come out with their release notes, and it does clarify that that is an artifact type, not a creature type. You cannot choose it as a creature type ever. Okay. And that's on Ginger Brute. Yes. For those, those listeners who have just jumped in for the Throne of Eldraine mechanics conversation and haven't listened to all other episodes. I believe Gingerbrute and Golden Egg are the only two non-token food cards. Okay. But food tokens can be produced by lots of different cards in Throne of Eldraine, including some creatures, instants and sorceries, uh, an enchantment. Yeah, and they also frequently will do something either when you sacrifice food or give you some other means of sacrificing food for some benefit. Okay. Well, I can't think of any special way food would interact with any other rules off the top of my head? No. All right. So that covers the new mechanics in Throne of Eldraine. Adventure, Adamant, and food. There's some stuff coming back from previous sets, like Hybrid Mana, which that's been in some recent sets, hasn't it? Yeah, it was in the last three expansion sets. Oh, is Hybrid Mana going evergreen? Not as far as I know. I think they just did it a lot recently. Okay. So people have probably seen this before. It is just... Just like any other mana symbols, get a little symbol in the mana cost of the card. But these mana symbols are split in half, with one half having one color, the other half having the other color. And the way hybrid mana works is you may spend mana of either of those two colors to pay for that one mana cost. That seemed like a really clunky explanation. Do you want to give it a shot? No. Okay. I can go for it. Sure. The way hybrid mana works is it's in the cost in the top right corner and it's got two mana symbols um nope we failed yeah it's just a clunky thing to explain right visually it works perfectly it's really easy to understand it's difficult to explain (laughs) you want to give it another shot the way hybrid mana works is it's got one symbol for two different colors of mana and it'll have it split down the middle and have both mana symbols in one circle and you can just pay it with either of those two colors of mana and that makes the card both colors, whether you spend all black or all green or some mixture in between, it's still going to be a black and green card. Okay, so all cards that have hybrid mana costs are black and green cards. Yeah, they don't put that in any other color combination. Oh, see here, I was thinking that like the hybrid mana cost would be like a red-white, or like two red red or white mana, but then the card is a black and green card because it has hybrid mana. No, 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 they just don't put it, they don't make hybrid red-white cards, it's just all black-green. Okay. 
And I guess we're going to see all of our normal evergreen keywords like flying, vigilance, trample, haste, scry, apparently. I uh, <laughs> I didn't realize that scry was evergreen until Donovan told me about it. But not that I didn't notice it was in a lot of sets recently. I was just under the impression it was a thing they like to use, but wasn't officially an evergreen keyword. It was something that they like to use. So much so, in fact, they made it evergreen. Fair enough. But that's not all of the stuff we're going to see in this set, because there are some themes in the set that aren't aren't exactly mechanics, such as Night Tribal. That's going to be exciting for some people. I know there have been a few cards that reference knights in Magic, enough so that people have built tribal knight decks, but this really is adding a lot of tools. Yeah, they did make one of their Brawl decks Night Tribal, and so they put a bunch of Night Tribal stuff in that too but they'd also just made some some good knight cards and some other knights matters cards so this is a boon to the knight tribal deck in general and that'll be fun do you think that there's going to be a constructed knights deck for this standard yeah i think that for standard it probably will be better to play just two colors whether that's black red or red white or white red i don't know Mm mm-hmm black white i don't know which color combinations i said but you could maybe get the three color deck in there using the new night land what is that tournament grounds so it's a land comes into play untapped taps for colorless mana or you can tap it for a red a white or a black and spend that mana only to cast night or equipment spells okay cool and you think there's enough good night matter and equipment spells in throne of eldraine to make a Night tribal deck? Yeah, I think there is. There's a two-mana lord, which is always one of the key cards for making a tribal deck work. There's a couple of cards that get benefits for the number of knights you have, and then there's a bunch of just efficiently costed knights, and those kind of are the recipe for a good tribal deck. All right. Well, I'll look forward to that. That's not the only tribe that we're seeing in this, and although we've seen knights in other sets before, uh, we've really got kind of a brand new tribe, right? Yeah, non-human. Yeah. It's a very exclusive tribe. <laughs> Anything but humans fit into the non-human tribe. Yeah, and so it was playing off the folks of the cities are teaming up together against the people of the wilds. And the city is all humans, and so the knights are kind of the tribe that's protecting them, and they're, they're warriors. And then the people of the wilds are not as organized, so it's just pretty much anybody from the wilds could be one of their they're warriors so it's just non-humans so does that mean the knights are like militant species supremacists not really no if you look into some of the flavor text on some of the stuff like the ogre knight you'll see that the knights are just trying to protect their people but they're not really trying to seek out and destroy the other races were you referring to ogre yeah that one yeah that's an ogre knight there's a couple of knights of other races as well but okay well as an example for what we're talking about here there is a creature called wildborn preserver it's a 2-2 elf archer for a green and one has flash and reach and whenever another non-human creature enters the battlefield under your control you may pay x when you do, put X plus one plus one counters on Wildborn Preserver. I probably could have picked a less complicated card to use as an example. Could have. But, but then people wouldn't get this nice explanation of their complicated card. So, this Wildborn Preserver is an elf archer, and whenever you play not-human cards, whenever you play creatures that aren't humans, you can use its X ability and put counters on it. Correct. And so, unlike... I guess every tribe we've seen before, this cares not about specifically what the creature type is, but specifically what the creature type is not. Yep, 
And that's interesting. I think humans has been a a deck for a while in standard and modern alike. I suppose Throne of Eldraine, we may see some specifically non-human decks. Probably we'll see lots of decks that aren't human decks, but... <laughs> yeah. And I think that's all of the tribes that are mechanically relevant in Throne of Eldraine. There are plenty of other creatures that may fit into your tribal decks if you've got something like an elf deck or a beast deck or whatever else you've got going on. There are lots of other creature types, but I don't think any of them are relevant as tribes for the set. Pretty much not. There's one other card I think that references rogues specifically. Sure. Do you want to tell us Yeah, it's Robin Hood. Card is <laughs> Robber of the Rich. It's a red and one for a human archer rogue. It's a 2-2 with reach yep. and haste. And whenever he attacks, if defending player has more cards in hand than you, exile the top card of their library. During any turn you attacked with a rogue, you may cast that card, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. Okay, so when you attack with Robber of the Rich, if the defending player has more cards than you do, you exile the top card of their library, yeah. yes? All right, and then... From then on, for the rest of the game, you can play those cards if you have also attacked with Robber of the Rich in that With turn. any rogue. With any rogue. Okay. So you don't have to play that card the turn that you exile No. It. You can play it now, you can play it later, you just have to have attacked with a rogue that turn. Okay. And can you play that card if Robber of the Rich is no longer on the battlefield? Yes, you can. Alright, so this is an effect that is true permanently, whether or not you still control Robert. Yeah, it was all one trigger ability that resolved early game. Fair enough. Are there uh, any dwarf tribal cards in the set? Because there, there's a bunch of dwarves, and they no, their flavor text would imply that there would be some dwarf tribal stuff. Yeah, I don't think so. I think there are, but there's also a bunch of wizards in a set, but mm -hmm. I think that they just are incidental. That's just a taunt me, though. I was playing a wizard tribal deck. <laughs> so they're just taunting me they're like hey look at all these good wizards you could have put in your wizard deck if the deck was still standard legal nerd what did what did you lose i lost adelaide's the cinderwind and then wizard lightning which are the important ones but you know i'll just play them in historic it'll be fine sure all right so i guess those are the tribal mechanics that we see in throne of eldraine is that all of the interesting new stuff going on in Throne of Eldraine? Well, there's another theme going on that has to do with drawing your second card for turn. Quite yeah. a few cards that reference that. Yeah, that's text I've seen repeatedly. I think they're just trying to keep a blue-red spells deck alive, so there's, it's generally on blue or red cards. It says if you draw your second card in a turn, you get to get some kind of benefit. Some of them draw you a card, some of them make tokens, some of them deal extra damage. Sure. Here's one here. Ironcrag Pyromancer is a red and two for a zero-four human wizard. It says whenever you draw your second card each turn, Ironcrag Pyromancer deals three damage to any target. Cool. Seems pretty self-explanatory. You know, if uh, you draw a card at the beginning of your turn, and then if you draw another card at any point in that turn, then the first time that that happens, you get this bonus effect. Yep. See, all right, pretty cool. I think that I like those cards because I like the spells decks that draw lots of cards. Do you think there are enough ways to draw cards in this set for that to be a limited deck? Yeah, I think it's one of those decks that if you try to draft that deck, you can play it, but I think it is going to be limited enough quantity of those cards that you're not going to be able to do it on accident. Okay, because that would be something I would have fun doing. I'd have fun drafting the drawing extra cards deck. I don't think that the cards are strong enough and since the effect isn't something you can do repeatedly in a turn, I don't think that 
that's going to show up in Constructed as a theme. I don't think that there's going to be a deck built around it, but I think a couple of the cards that do that might pop up in decks. Sure, sure. Makes sense to me. And it does make some cards like Chemister's Insight a little bit better because it draws you two cards and it's an instant. So you can play it on your opponent's turn and just when you cast that spell, you'll also get to do some other effects. Yeah. All right, well, were there any other specific cards that you thought we ought to talk about how they work what the rules are so one card worth mentioning that may not be obvious exactly how it works is rankle master of pranks it's a black black and two for a legendary creature fairy rogue and then he's a three three with flying and haste whenever he deals combat damage to a player you can choose any number of these next three modes and the mode options are each player discards a card each player loses a life and draws a card and each player sacrifices a creature and so it is notable the order in which that happens, you would make players discard a card before they draw that extra card. So okay. if you have no cards in your hand, you can do that. Make both of you discard. You don't have one. Then y'all both draw one and you'll get to draw one. Okay. Well, if you can't think of anything else that is complicated on a rules level that we ought to talk about. This isn't anything to do with rules on cards. And if we don't have any more of that, one thing that I noticed while we were talking, and I don't know if this is new in Throne of Eldraine, or if they've been doing this in recent sets and I just hadn't been paying attention. But there's a line in the text box in between the flavor text and the rules text. Oh, I didn't notice that until you said it. I'm going to go with it's new to Throat of Eldraine. <laughs> right? I, I think that's good. I think that they, they did that on uh, Portal Three Kingdoms. They, although yeah. in that set it was much is a much more obvious line and i think it's probably a good idea it helps to distinguish that for people who are unfamiliar with the concept of flavor text i guess so you're really just very new players but those are the people who need things like that to help them you know yep so i i think it's good and it it looks good i think the portal three kingdoms cards looked pretty bad Burn. and that wasn't down to the line on them but was it Portal Three Kingdoms. I'm thinking of. I believe was there it was a different any set? of the Portal sets. Yeah. Well, anyway, in the in the Portal sets, it wasn't the line in the text box that made them look bad. They they had a lot of things they did on those cards designed to help newer players understand the card, and they may have been good for that purpose. I don't want to criticize that. I think that goal is admirable, and they may have worked. I don't. I don't have any data to tell me whether that worked or not, but they didn't look very nice, in my opinion. This looks much better while still achieving that same goal, you know? Yep. I don't know, is there anything else about Throne of Eldraine that you felt like talking about, or you wanted to let our listeners know? No. No. Alright, flat no. It's like, I'm done with Throne of Eldraine already. I have summed up everything and anything of import in the set, and there's nothing else. <laughs> I mean, there's some cool stuff going on. Like, there's a cycle of super expensive artifacts of each color. There's just some interesting cycles of cards. Yeah. Well, if there's not any of that that you really want to talk about right now, our listeners can certainly email us at planeswalkerspod at enginewithin.com if they have any questions or anything that they want to hear us talk about in future episodes. We do actually have a little bit of feedback to get into this time. It's not much, but we did get one review on Apple Podcasts. And I say it was a five-star review, too. Looks like a five-star review left by DRD76028. <laughs> it says, In-depth info for longtime players, but succinct explanation to make it accessible by novice listeners. Really like the camaraderie between the host and love the ads. You know, you don't get a lot of people that really like having advertisements in their content. So it's right. <laughs> it's great to hear people supporting us on that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is nice. And it's definitely nice to get the five-star review. That helps us out a lot. I hope that DRD76028 continues listening. And do you think that they're a long-time player that appreciates our in-depth discussion or a novice listener that appreciates us making it accessible? I don't know. Anyway, I appreciate the review. I hope that you guys will continue to leave us some reviews on Apple or wherever you get your podcast and send us an email. I really can't wait to start getting some emails and and interacting with you guys. Donovan, have you... I have not sent you any emails. (laughs) No. (laughs) Plug your store. Oh, uh, I thought we did that in the sign-off thing. Are we leaving? Is it time to go? So soon. Hey, yeah, you you can mention it when I ask you where to where to find your stuff. So well, I'm confused. How do you <laughs> do a plug? You tell everybody that if they want to get some really good games of Magic or pick up any board games or any of the accessories that they need for playing Magic or tabletop games of any type, they should visit Boardwalk Games in North Dallas and ask for Donovan from Planeswalkers Anonymous. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. I guess that's all for tonight. Uh, thanks for joining me, Donovan, and thanks to all the listeners. You guys come back next week and we'll do it again. In the meantime, Donovan, I know the entire audience the vast audience that we have built already is waiting with bated breath to find out if you recall your Twitter handle. Where day can they find you Donovan. on the internet? Um, oh. There's an at at the beginning, I think. On top of it this time, at day underscore Donovan. Yes. Great. I know how the Twitter. And if you want to hear more from me, I'm Duncan. You can find me at Engine Within on Twitter, Engine Within on YouTube, and Engine Within on Twitch if you want to watch me get destroyed in Overwatch. For more podcasts, you can check out the list. This show is actually live now. You can find the list on Apple Podcasts or any of the other places you get podcasts. It's about video games, and I do that one with Daniel. And as always, you can visit enginewithin.com to find more of this show and all the other fine shows and products in the Engine Within Network. Goodbye. All right. Hasta lasagna. What? Donovan out. Hasta lasagna. <laughs> all right. Our audio is reported separately, so I can just pick the best bits and then go back to mine. Also, is on <laughs> Like, I totally can use my audio even if you're talking through it, but I can't stop laughing. Hasta well, lasagna, don't get any on ya. Thank you. <laughs> oh, the uh, child has left the room. What, I'm right here. Throne of Eldraine is the hill that I chose to die on, alright? Well, please don't do that. There's this lovely troll here, though. I guess I'm just looking for some kind of approval because I'm worried that people won't like them. Exactly. I make jokes for me because I have to listen to me talk all the time.